You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter number 17, and if you can put your finger there and then turn to one other portion of Scripture, Mark chapter number 9. And when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And uh, it's exciting to be with you here tonight. It's good to see everybody that's here. And uh, I believe that this is something that God has given to me, and He's confirmed it a few different times. And, uh, you know, anytime pastor asks me to preach, it's, it get, it, it, there are several different modes that you get into. It's kind of like when they give you good news. The first one is like denial, you know. It's like, no... I can't do that. We're not doing that. Your, your request is denied. Unfortunately, he's my boss as well, so I can't really deny it. And then there's shock that's afterwards, and then it's nervousness, and then it's sickness, and then everything else. But uh, praise the Lord. I think this is what God has for us here tonight. Amen. So pray with me, and I believe it's something that can be a help to us. Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 14. Matthew 17 and verse number 14. The Bible says that when they were come to the multitude... There came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Anybody can relate to that. Amen. And sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and off into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And verse 20, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your, what's the next word? Unbelief. Unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. One more portion of Scripture, Mark chapter number 9, a parallel uh, account here in the book of Mark chapter 9. And verse number 14, the Bible says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples, and they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. In verse 20, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire 
and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And he was come into the house. His disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. I'd like to deliver a message to you entitled, This Kind. This Kind. And I'd like to make application from these portions of Scripture about what he's talking about and how we can apply that to our lives. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the freedom, for the privilege, for the opportunity that we have to assemble here together. And Lord, I pray that you'd use me as I preach. I pray that you would fill me with your power. Pray that you'd help me to be emptied of self. I pray that you'd help me to convey the thoughts that you've given to me even during this time. May we leave here, Lord, knowing that we met with you. May we leave here, Lord, with something that we can apply to our lives. I pray that you speak to hearts as only you can do. For we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. When I think about the word kind, there are several things that I begin to think about. Uh, one of the verses that I think about is, Be ye kind, one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I think about the old VCR, video, cassette, recorder, tapes that you would rent out or pick up at the library or wherever else. And it would say, a little sticker on there, be kind, please rewind. <laughs> and we all know the problems of our generation that those things took like 20 minutes to rewind the tape. And uh, heaven forbid if they got caught off track or whatever else, and then you're really stuck. But uh, we're not talking about being kind in the essence of emotions here tonight. I think that's evident. We're talking about a specific item. Kind is taken from the Greek word, Genos, which relates directly to the root word of kind being kin, okay? And uh, you know, I didn't understand what the word kin meant until I came to North Carolina. And uh, everybody is kin to everybody else in some way, shape, or form, amen? And uh, if you ever think about saying something negative about somebody else, you got to be careful because everybody's kin, amen? And uh, a kin... You know, related, maybe a specific stock, individuals of the same nature, of the same species, if you will. When I think about different kinds of things, you know, one of the things naturally that I think about is food. And we're here on a Wednesday night at 742, and most of us have probably eaten. If not, I apologize. We do have a standing rule that you're not supposed to talk about food on Sunday mornings, and we have a few unknown staff members that continually break that rule, and uh, we're going to have to exercise some church discipline in the near future 
if they keep doing that. And, uh, or we're just going to all show up at his house over here on Western Drive and be waiting for lunch, amen, if he talks about food again. And, uh, but you know what? You think about specific foods. You know, there are specific foods or kinds of foods at specific times, or at least how I view it. And maybe you agree with that view or don't agree. We'll find out. But, uh, you know, if they were to say, hey, look, we're going to go out to eat at a restaurant and have dinner. And at that restaurant, we're going to have dinner. And the person that you invite to have dinner, they ask them, hey, look, would you guys like to start off with anything? Would you like any appetizers? And usually the first thing on the menu in the top left-hand side, if it's not on the front page, are usually something called appetizers. And those are things that you begin a meal with or that normal people begin a meal with or people that think that they're normal, one of the two. But if you were to start off there and take somebody out to eat or maybe take your spouse or your kids out to eat, and instead of looking at the front page of the menu, they open up to the back page of the menu and they begin looking through those things there and they say, would you like anything to begin with? Would you like an appetizer? And they say, yes, I'd like that chocolate cheesecake right there at the back. They might look at you like you're a little bit different because that's not the kind of thing that you order for an appetizer. By the same token, if you've just finished your meal and everything was great and you left a little bit of room for dessert and they ask you, hey, do you have room for dessert? And you're looking at the menu and say, yes, what I would like is a Caesar salad. <laughs> that wouldn't be the kind of thing that you would order at the end of your meal, again, if you're normal. I mean, maybe if you're normal, you wouldn't order salad to begin with, amen. And uh, you know what happens if you eat too much salad is your two front teeth begin to grow larger and larger, like other animals that eat it, but nonetheless. I think about different kinds of tools. And I have here a two by four. And uh, it's interesting to note as you grow up around carpentry or woodworking or just in general, um, why do they call it a two by four? Because it's not two inches by four inches. It's actually a different dimension. I think it's like one and three quarters or something by something else. So it's odd how they get that because I think they're shortchanging you. But nonetheless, maybe it starts out as a two by four and when they squeeze it together, you lose that extra piece there. I'm not sure. But if I were to tell you here today that we've got a piece of wood and I'm going to give you a tool and I'd like for you to cut that wood in half and you're saying, okay, that's great. And then I handed you one of these deals here. You would think to yourself, well, wait a second, you want me to use this tool to cut this piece of wood in half that's probably not going to end well, okay? This is not the kind of tool that you use to cut wood. Say, so what does this have to relate to the message? We'll get there in a moment. But we're talking about kinds. Just like if I were to tell you, hey, look, I've got another tool here, and I want you to use this to cut the wood in half. But you know what? This specific tool has a purpose and that purpose can accomplish things if you're using it for that purpose but we're talking about kinds it is usually not that we don't possess the right tools to do the job it's the fact that sometimes we're not using them in the right way and I know recently I had a bolt and it was a screw in bolt I think it was six or eight inches long that I was trying to remove from a piece of wood and I brought a socket set because it was embedded in this specific area. And the problem was the socket set that I brought didn't have the right socket. It was one size bigger than the set that I had. 
And so someone else came over to assist and praise the Lord for helpers. And that individual, who's probably listening at this time, uh, asked me what size socket wrench I had. And I thought I had the right one. And they brought over a deep well socket. And it did not fit on my socket driver because it was a different size. And the, the, the deep well socket had a little hole in the top. And they said, well, maybe you can try and stick a screwdriver or something in it to try and maneuver that thing around to get this six or eight inch bolt that's driven into this piece of wood. And needless to say, it wasn't working out well. The other tool that I had was a vice grip. And that wasn't working out well to try and get it out either. You may seem like, hey, look, these are hilarious. These are funny. But you know what? Sometimes that's exactly how we approach life. That's how we approach spiritual things. You know, God has given us the ingredients. God has given us the tools, the right tools and the right ingredients to thrive and survive and have a joyful, successful life here in this life. But you know what? It is our job to make sure that those right ingredients get... I'm teaching a lesson, a series in my Sunday school class of shaken but not stirred. You know, we can all have the same ingredients for success, but we also have the ingredients for a great defeat with our lives. We all have the potential, and it's but but God's grace that we're not in a jail cell here tonight, that we're even alive tonight. And uh, we, sometimes we say, well, it's because of the smart decisions that I've made, but it's not because of the smart decisions that I made, amen? It's because of God's goodness and God's grace. But Jesus says, and I'd like to draw your attention in both of these portions of Scripture in Mark chapter 9 and verse number 29. He says, this kind. And in Matthew chapter 17 and verse number, uh, verse number uh, 21, it says, how be it this kind. And the title of the message again is this kind. Goeth not forth, but by prayer and fasting. God has given us the ingredients to accomplish the impossible or what man would see as impossible here in this life. The ingredients to live a victorious Christian life, the ingredients to get through any obstacle through His grace and through His help and through His power. But that power, there's specific ingredients that need to come together, that need to be shaken, that need to be stirred in order to access that power. But yet here in our lives, we want God's power and we want God's provision and we want God's protection and we ask for it and we beg for it. But yet the ingredients that we're instilling in our lives don't set us up for that path. So what ingredients do we need in order to do the impossible? Hey, are you faced with an impossible task today and wonder how you're going to get through it? Are you faced with opposition today or this week and are wondering how you're going to get through it? Are you faced with something that maybe you once failed at and you're wondering how in the world you're going to succeed because it seemingly looks like it's impossible, that this isn't going to happen and you have this individual, you have this man who has a son and this son, the Bible says, since he was a child has been afflicted with this demon. And you know what? There's something else that the Bible notes in the book of Luke in Luke chapter number 9, it recounts the same story, and I didn't read it for the sake of time. But in Luke chapter number 9, uh, the Bible recounts the same story. And he says here 
and verse 38, And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. So you have here a man who's faced with a dilemma that he can't solve on his own. And no doubt maybe he's tried, and no doubt maybe he's spent money, or he's tried to do things. But you know what I find that? He comes to the right place to solve that impossible problem. And that's with Jesus. And he starts out with the disciples. And by the way, Jesus has told his disciples, hey, I'm giving you power to do certain things here in this life. But yet the disciples in this case came up empty. And I believe that Jesus uses this example. I believe that through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Jesus gives this account so that we know that, hey, you know what? It's not just about us. It's not just power that's given to us one time, but it's power that has to be sought on a daily, if not hourly basis. But you know what? We can obtain that power if we use God's given recipe, if God's given ingredients to do the impossible. What is unbelief? They say, why were we not able to cast this devil out? He says, because of your unbelief. He tells him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. The man says, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. But what is unbelief? Well, I'd venture to say that unbelief is a lack of believing. What is believing? Something called faith. Believing without seeing. Believing that God is going to meet a need when you're, when you're asking for the prayer. So you could also say that they lacked faith or they lacked belief. Well, Jesus doesn't just stop there. And I'm so glad in our lives when we're approached with the situation where we faltered or when we're, we've used everything that we've had, we're exhausted. We don't know how we're going to get through a situation that God doesn't just say, well, sorry, you didn't have enough belief. He gives us the recipe. He gives us the ingredients to, for success. And he goes on to say, for this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Amen. So if we realize, first of all, that the disciples failed because of unbelief, then we realize that, hey, they could have had it if they would have fasted and prayed. I would venture to guess, and this is what I believe, that that would help them to believe. That would increase their faith. And I'm not just talking about a general faith. And you know what? It's great to have small answers to prayer. Hey, it's great when we lose our car keys and we've looked everywhere around the house and we can't find them. Or, fellas, if you're with me, we lose our wallets. And, uh, you know, the wife is supposed to be the helpmeet, amen? She's supposed to find your wallets when you lose it, amen? And uh, instead, they put something on top of it. And you're like, I know I said it somewhere around here. And uh, then the response is not, well, I'm sorry, I put that on top. It's where you shouldn't have put it there to begin with, amen? But, uh, you know, I'm glad for small answers to prayer. But, you know, we're not talking about small things here tonight. We're talking about the impossible. You see, I think we can get through some of the small times, some of the troubles, some of the trials, some of the things that come in life on a regular basis with just prayer or just with a little bit of faith. And I would hate to see what a measurement of my faith is here tonight. Because if we know that the grain of a mustard seed, and if I were to hold that up, 
You wouldn't be able to even see it from where you're seated. But if we had that much faith, we could move mountains. But yet what faith do we have here tonight? Prayer and fasting. Those are the ingredients that are available to us. And you know what? I'm so glad that it wasn't like in order to do the impossible, in order to see God work and do something so great that nobody will be able to find out what it is except for God, that he didn't say, you got to have, you know, a pound of gold because we'd be in trouble here tonight or we'd be robbing something. Amen. Or you got to have, you know, a 10 carat diamond. Or you got to go and fight. You got to work your whole life and, and labor and, and labor and labor. And once you reach a certain age and your golden years, then at that specific point in time, you can finally reach God and do the impossible. No, these are things that are available to every single one of us. And let me just say this God wants to use you to do the impossible. Why is it? Because our lives are supposed to point to God, not to ourselves. But you know what? It's so easy to get caught up in this life that everything is about me. You may not say that, but that's just how we live. Instead of saying my life should be a beacon, and as Brother Nathan preached, a light and salt to bring glory and honor to God. That's what our lives should be, that when they see us, they see something that's different. And yes, I understand that although this passage specifically refers to casting out a demon, I believe that God was not specific in the essence that this is the only tools that are necessary to cast out demons. I believe that it's a, a greater theme that's farther reaching that, hey, God can do something so great and use us to do it if we will just use the, the ingredients of prayer and fasting. Amen. The question is, is the need great enough for us to devote those resources, for us to devote those ingredients to that specific task, to that specific need? Is there anything in your life that you say, hey, you know what, I need God to do a miracle. The, hey, I need God to do something greater than what I can do just by prayer, by prayer and fasting. Hey, are you faced with a life and death situation where only God can meet it? Fasting and prayer. And it's both of those two together. I'm reminded of just a few times in Scripture where prayer and fasting made a difference. One of those is in the book of Esther. And Esther is faced with a life and death situation, not just for her, but for her whole kind, her whole family, her whole kindred, her whole relatives. And there's a decree that's signed that they're all going to be wiped out and Mordecai comes to Esther and says, hey, you've got to do something about this. Don't think that just because you're in the palace that you're going to be overlooked. And Esther realizes that she's faced with a life and death situation. Literally, if she comes before the king and she's not summoned, which has not generally happened, if you're not summoned, you don't go before the king, he's going to put her to death. But she says, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm faced with this situation and what does she say to do? In Esther 4.16, she says to do something great. And this is interesting to note here. Esther chapter 4 and verse number 16, she says, Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink 
three days, night or day, I also and my maidens will likewise, will fast likewise, and so will I go into the, into the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So she's faced with an insurmountable task. She's faced with a life or death situation that she's putting her life in the king's hands. And what did she do before that situation? This girl who's brought up who knows God, this girl who's brought up who believes in God, what did she come up with that notion that says, hey, if I want to do the greatest thing to get a hold of God, what I'm going to do is not only me, but I'm going to ask some other people to fast and to pray. Because the ingredients, friend, are the same in the Old Testament, in the book of Esther, to get a hold of God in a miracle as they are here in 2020. Prayer and fasting. But you know what I dare say tonight, unexcitedly, un, you know, my fasting life is not where it should be. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until recently that I was talking to someone in the church and I said, you know what? I believe that this is what God wants us to do. And as we're talking about it, I said, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't, why don't we fast together about this situation? Because I believe this is something God wants us to do. Hey, why don't we fast about this situation? And they said, no way, I'm not doing it. I like to eat too much. No, they didn't. They said, you know what? I think that's a great idea. And you know what they did? They solicited some more people and said, hey, let's fast about this situation. Now, here's the question for you. Would God have still delivered the Jews if Esther wouldn't have fasted and prayed and Esther wouldn't have been a part of it? Yes, he would have, but he would have used somebody else. Hey, is God still going to do something here in Roanoke Rapids? Yes, he is. But the question is, are you going to be a part of it? The question is, are you going to chalk it up in your Bible and say, hey, I fasted and prayed about this situation. Hey, I devoted some time. Hey, I devoted and denied the flesh in this situation and God answered it. And we chalk that up to experience. That way, when we're faced with something in our lives that's life or death, we can point to that and say, hey, I know that God works because he worked in this situation and we can have God use us to do a miracle. You know what? God can. That's not the question. But will you, will you be willing to give your all to God? In Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 18, another illustration that I thought about somebody praying and fasting in the Bible. The Bible says in Daniel 6 and verse number 10, Now when Daniel knew that when the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four time. The decree comes out, you can't pray. The consequence is known. You're going to be thrown into the lion's den. So what does Daniel do? Just like before, he's doing what's right. The windows are open. Hey, everybody's going to see. And he's thrown into the lion's den. And what happens when he's thrown into that lion's den? In verse 16, then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. What's interesting to note here is you've got a king who's watching someone who's doing what's right and says, your God's going to deliver you. I find it interesting that he doesn't say our God because I don't think the king is a believer at this point. The fact that he was manipulated to sign that decree 
But you know what? He says, hey, your God's going to deliver you. Don't worry about it. And then what does the king do? In verse number 18, it says, then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him and his sleep went from him. Then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions and said, is thy God able to deliver thee? And Daniel cries out, God has shut the mouth of the lions. Wouldn't it be a sad case in our life that an unsaved king fasted more than we do as a saved people? But you know what the difference was? He's faced with a life and death situation. Hey, he's faced with the impossible. In the den of lions, it's natural for a lion to eat a person, okay? It's unnatural for them not to eat. And a matter of fact, when they took the rest of the people and their families, it says the lions had a mastery of them before they even hit the bottom of the pit. Tell me that's not a miracle. Tell me that wasn't impossible. But you know what? You have an unsaved king who's fasting. Hey, you have Daniel who's praying. The church in Acts 13 too fasted and prayed before they set out folks from their church to do the work of God. Hey, Jesus himself fasted and prayed for 40 days. And if Jesus, the Son of God, thought it necessary for him to get through this life, for him to be in touch with his God, that he would have to fast and pray, then you know what? So much more so do we have to fast and pray. You know what? There's a spiritual purpose for fasting. Hey, whether it's strengthening prayers, whether it's seeking God's guidance and God's perfect will, whether it's seeking His deliverance or His protection or provision or power, or whether it's just humbling ourselves before Him or expressing repentance or grief, overcoming temptation or dedicating ourselves to Him and expressing our love and devotion to Him, let's just say that there is a purpose for fasting. We are telling God when we fast and pray that, oh God, I want more of you. A pastor said it was a very humbling thought, and I've not forgot it to this day. But he said, we are today as close to God as we want to be. That's a sobering thought to say that, hey, that, you know what, if I want to be closer to God, then you know who it's up to? It's the person that I stare at in the mirror. But we're as close to God in our lives as we want us to be. I have two points Long introduction, short message, two points. The first one, scriptures teach us to fast and pray. Right after they ask the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. And I would think if there's anyone that you would ask, hey, you know what, can you teach me how to pray? It would be the Lord Jesus Christ. That'd be the time that I'd pull out my, my notepad and say, hey, give me some good notes, amen. And Jesus teaches them a, 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 a sample prayer, if you will. And immediately following that, and he says, and when ye fast. But notice they didn't say, Lord, teach us to get a hold of God. But I think that's what they were really asking. And he says, hey, by the way, you asked how just to pray, but I'm going to give you a bonus. Hey, when ye fast. So immediately following that prayer, he says, mentions fasting. When ye fast, not if ye fast, but when ye fast. Here's some things to do. This kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. Amen. You say, but wait, I thought he said it was because of unbelief. Well, how do we believe? How do we increase our faith? By prayer and fasting. 
Let me just say this, the opposite of faith is fear. What do we see going on in the world today? Fear. The Bible says, but God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Those are things that God gives to us. You know, pastor through this thing has said, Dan, I think that people have lost their minds. And I say, Pastor, I think a lot of these people didn't have minds to begin with. Amen. But let me just say this. A sound mind is something that is God-given. We can't expect those who are unsaved to have a sound mind, to have logic in anything that they deal with, let alone a pandemic or anything else that's taking place. Number one, the scripture teaches us to fast and pray. Number two, fasting and prayer are the ingredients for the miraculous. Fasting and prayer are the ingredients for the miraculous. You know, first of all, if the Bible teaches us to do something, I want to do it. Amen. I want to obey the Lord in every way that He commands me to obey Him. And second, if fasting and prayer are means to miracles that God has for me, I want to fast and pray so that I can experience those miracles. Amen. How many need God to step in tonight? How many need a miracle tonight? Maybe you're faced with a life and death situation. We have the ingredients for the miraculous. There is a spiritual power that can only be accessed by fasting and prayer. You know, in the book of Joel, God speaks and mentions that the outpouring, in the last days, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would be in direct proportion to the people's fasting and crying out to God with humility and repentance. How much do we want the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? You know, Pastor mentioned Sunday night during his message that he wanted a renewed hunger and thirst after God. And that song was played, As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You know what? That's what I want for my life. We have the ingredients to unlock miracles the question is, are we using them? I believe that God has something great planned for this church, for this city, and for this county. And you know what? I want to be a part of it. And I want to be a part of a miracle. I'm praying specifically that God gives us several areas, several locations around this area, more houses, and to use them all for God's glory and God's honor. And you know what? I think that he can so here's the question for you. When is the last time, and I ask this question, when is the last time that you fasted about anything? Do you have a need in your life that you say, hey, only God can meet this need? And by the way, God wants to meet that need. And the way that we unlock it is through prayer and fasting. When I was in Bible college, my grandpa's health began to go down. And I had went and visited at a specific time. I can't remember the specific time of the year that it was. But I remember begging God for my grandpa's soul. And I didn't know if he was saved or not. And uh, I remember going to his house and visiting him. I remember uh, his wife at the time, named Patty, was there with us. And I was already praying, Lord, remove any distractions. And at some point in time, she got up and left the room. And I, I felt the Holy Spirit's presence moving me to ask him the question is, if he know for sure where he'd die, if he, if he were to die, where he would go. And I remember sitting there with my grandpa on the couch next to him, and I asked him the question. I said, Grandpa, you know what? 
I said, if you were to die today, do you know 100% for sure that you go to heaven? And he looked at me and he said, no, I don't. And I said, Grandpa, if I could show you from the Bible how you could know that for sure, would you like to know? And he said, I sure would. And we went into the kitchen, and we had fudge sickles, and I went through the plan of salvation with my grandpa, and on that day, he bowed his head and trusted Christ as a Savior. You say, was he saved before that? I don't know. Did he mean it at that point in time? I don't know. God does. But you know what? I wanted to do my part to at least give him the gospel, and and, and, and he seemed sincere, and he prayed at that point in time, and I'm trusting in that. I had the opportunity to, uh, after that, uh, to preach at my grandpa's funeral, and I just gave a, a short lesson there, and I asked the question, hey, if anybody would like to know for sure that they're on their way to heaven, I gave that exact story. I said, please come and talk to me, and one of my aunts and uncle came and said, hey, we'd like to know that. Why don't you come over to our house and tell us about it? And my wife, I think we were engaged or dating at the time. And are we married? I don't know. We are married at the time, amen. And we went over to my aunt and uncle's house and talked to my aunt and talked to my uncle and talked to my cousin. And they called in their daughter. I talked to them as well. I had the privilege to explain the plan of salvation to each and every one of them. They all at that point in time bowed and asked Jesus to save them. Amen. And you know where it all started? I didn't tell you the beginning of the story. On, before I went to my grandpa's house, I claim God's word. You know, his word says, he that goeth out and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bring his sheaves with him. Hey, what's the ingredients for salvation? Hey, you know what? It's, it's, it's being soul conscious. Hey, it's saying weeping over souls. Amen. And you know what? I had a hard time getting tears up. I didn't just want to drum up something and I put in a CD and I started to go to his house, and I said, no, I don't feel prepared. I don't feel ready. And I drove around and played that CD and called upon God and wept for my grandpa Amen. to get saved for his soul. And you know what? God opened the opportunity. Why? Because God kept his word. And the ingredients are already there for salvation. The ingredients are there for revival, for a miracle. The question is, will we tap into those ingredients that he's given to us, prayer and fasting? You're as close to God tonight as you want to be. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.